Welcome to The Sweat Room, a podcast of Watermark Wesleyan Church. Get it, got it, give it. Here in The Sweat Room, we dive into today's questions about sports and faith. When I had the medal placed around my neck, that was the first gold medal, Olympic gold medal I had ever seen was the one that was placed upon my neck. And hopping off the podium, I was just like, man, like life has changed. Like as I know it, like my life will never be the same again. Um, so unique, unique position. But I remember getting off of the podium, going through this whirlwind media tour, then hopping on a flight straight from London to LAX to be on the Jay Leno show. And now here's your hosts, Noah and Bjorn. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the 35th episode of The Sweat Room. My name is Noah Course, alongside my co-host Bjorn Webb. We are so pumped for today's episode with Jordan and Lauren Burroughs. Jordan is the best American freestyle wrestler, not just in the country, but around the world. He won Olympic gold in 2012 at London. He's a four-time world champion, six-time world cup champion, and he's just a bad man. You do not want to mess with Jordan. He's the best wrestler in the world and probably one of the best to ever do it in American history. If you have not seen him wrestle, go do it. A few weeks ago, he wrestled Zahid Valencia. And it was a great match. He destroyed him. Don't be surprised when you see Jordan on the podium in 2021 with a gold medal around around his neck. He's an awesome guy. And his wife, Lauren, is from Buffalo, New York. If you're new to our podcast, we're a podcast and a church that is based out of Buffalo, New York. We're just a few miles away from the Bills. So go Bills. They're having a great season in the 2020 year. If you're listening, 2020 and beyond, I don't know what holds for the Bills, but they're doing great right now as we're shooting this podcast. But Lauren used to work for the Buffalo News. And Jordan and Lauren talk about how they met, what's like to be a wrestler, a Christian, and you guys are absolutely going to love this conversation. The, the two of them are an amazing couple, and they have an amazing story as well. If you're new to our podcast, our motto is get it, got to give it. We're always in every phase of this, always learning, always teaching, and always applying. Bjorn and I are two young guys, and what better people to learn from than Jordan and Lauren? And we like to say at the sweat room as well, everybody has a story. It's just a little bit different platform. You as the listener, you have a story, you matter, you have a platform, you have a voice. And no matter where God has you right now, he's going to use it for your future. So before we dive in, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. And if you really like it, share with a friend that helps us out. And if there's any way that we can serve you as the listener better, let us know. We'd love to do it. It's been incredible to be on the Sweat Room journey, serving you all, serving you as the listener. We have listeners in Australia now, Nebraska, Colorado, Indiana, California, all over the country and around the world. Like I said earlier, we're out of Buffalo, New York, but this is going across the country and around the world. So thank you as a listener for tuning in to listen. To listen. We couldn't do it without you. And make sure as well, if you haven't checked out our social media pages at Watermark Sports on Facebook and Instagram, and at Twitter, it's a little bit different. It's at Sweat Room Pod, and we have a blog as well, watermarkwesleyan.com slash blog. And so without further ado, here's our conversation with Jordan and Lauren Burroughs. We want to welcome to the Sweat Room, Jordan and Lauren Burroughs. Jordan, Lauren, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having us, guys. Yeah, yeah we're happy to be here. This is like a sauna. Yeah, <laughs> totally. So, Lauren and Jordan, you guys are in Nebraska now. And, Lauren, you're originally from Buffalo. What is one thing that you miss most about Buffalo, New York? And you also did a little bit of work with the Buffalo News. So, I, what was one of your favorite memories there as well? 
Um, I think what I miss most is the food. Mm. <laughs> Anything specifically? Cider mill. So many things. Oh, the cider mill. Cider mill donuts in the fall are the best. Larkin Square food trucks. Larkin Square food trucks are cool. But those those didn't get established until I was gone. Pizza, obviously. I'm a, I'm a big fan of Nino's Pizza. <laughs> it's funny, like, so you guys probably know when Nino's. I went to Buffalo, oh, yeah. every time we go, Lauren would te- take me to, like, the staples of all the places that she would go to. <laughs> and I was a big, like, Buffalo wing guy. So, like, we've been to Gabriel's Gate and Duff's mm-hmm. and Barbell. Barbell. <clears throat> Jordan, which one's your favorite? I don't know. That's a, I, I feel like, like every time we go, like they change. Gabe's Gate. I like the consistency the best of Barbells. I just don't like their sweet sauce. Yeah. Mm. Um, Are you a sweet wing kind of guy? No. You're I'm, not I'm a, a mild guy. <laughs> I'm mild. Just I'm even mild. keeled right in the middle. Yeah, yeah, just right in the middle. But there's there's so much good food in Buffalo. We we love yeah, it. We there's miss so it. much food. I think another thing, like people, I've always heard people say, like I miss I miss the people in Buffalo. But honestly, I, and I do miss the people in Buffalo and the relationships. But people in the Midwest are very similar. They're mm. like super cool. nice. I remember the first time I went to a dual meet here. I didn't even know anyone here yet. I only knew people through Jordan, or they knew me through Jordan. And they were like hugging me. At, like, just, uh-huh. like people just come up and hug me. I was like, mm. <laughs> I was very welcoming. But like in even in Buffalo, it's still like very. It's a New York place. Totally. Yeah. People yeah. are very friendly, but they're not usually like that friendly. Yeah, yeah, I get that. <laughs> but, but Midwesterners are a lot like people from Buffalo. <laughs> oh, cool. How long have you guys been in Nebraska then? Oh yeah, uh, we've been in Nebraska. For well, I've been here almost seven years. Yeah, this is your seventh year. This is my fifteenth year. Very here. cool. 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 Well, that's awesome. So, Lauren, as we know, you have three brothers who also wrestle or or used to wrestle. Do you think that all three of your brothers could take down Jordan? At the same time. Yeah. At the same time. <laughs> and me Not included. Not a chance. Of it. <laughs> <laughs> Individually, no. <laughs> when they were like in eighth grade. It's funny because when Lauren and I first met, her brother was a senior at American, um, Maddie, and so he was wrestling. We, we were. I came to visit you for Christmas. Um, and he was still wrestling. And he was still oh, wrestling. Yeah, so yeah, I remember, okay. he was getting ready for some sort of Christmas event. I'm not sure if it was oh, a it was scuffle Mid- Midlands. or the Midlands. It was Midlands. Um, wow. And then him and I drilled, and I remember he had it like a good tournament. I was like, yeah, it was because we drilled. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that's that's awesome. So there's never been like, have, no, none of them have ever come up to you be like, all right, this is happening right now, Jordan. <laughs> yeah, we've rolled around the living yeah, room. Like, we, we messed that's around. awesome. We like, mess around all the time. Yeah, like, it's just a natural wrestling, <laughs> right? You, Grab someone, bear hug them, roll around on the living room floor. Mm-hmm. I wrestled everyone from you wrestled. your uncle Therm to <laughs> <laughs> and and Lucas. I don't think. And for our Buffalo listeners, they would know who Uncle Therm is, right? Who's Who's Uncle Therm? Thurman Thomas. Oh mm-hmm. yeah, that's that's a pretty common name around here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, your listeners should know who that is. <laughs> yeah, we have very we have, we well we used to we have very very interesting Christmas parties for sure. Oh, very cool. So, Lauren, clearly Jordan won you over. So, how did the two of you meet? 
So <laughs> we. Oh, she's laughing already. Oh, Good story. Here we go. Story. It's, it's just everyone asks this, and it's a funny. It's it a funny story. So, we, yeah. Jordan, you can give us the real story after. Like the big fish. I'll tell you guys story. a real story later. So we. Um, so my youngest brother Maddie, who we were just talking about, was wrestling at the NCAA tournament in Philadelphia in 2011, mm-hmm. where Jordan was also wrestling. And it was one of the earlier rounds and we were sitting in the stands and I saw him down on the mat and I thought he was very um, appealing to the eye. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, my dad pointed out that my dad was like, well, he, you know, you got to watch this guy. He's really good. So I watched him and he like, it was like one of his first matches. So if you know, wrestling, like the earlier rounds, the higher seeds get relatively easier matches. So he like, roll them up very quickly i was like oh nice (laughs) so later that day or weekend or something i added him as a friend on facebook wow i did it was facebook official i didn't do that very often i know everybody says that but i really didn't and then a few i don't know how much longer we deleted our facebooks at some point or i or i don't know somehow we lost our message yeah. So we don't, we don't, this is how it gets tricky. This is how the story like veers off because no one has proof of what happened. But I, I did not send him a message that was, I had too much pride for that. And he sent me a message and we started talking and we were just friends for a while. And, and then he ended up doing a camp in Buffalo, like a year later, a year and a half later. No, uh, like, like six months. I got okay. invited to teach okay, him, not so, uh, not to do a wrestling clinic out in Warsaw. Oh, cool. uh, and so I was like, man, I remember that girl Lauren lives here in Buffalo. I should reach out to her and send her a message. So I sent her a message on, on Twitter, Twitter, slid into her DMs and was like, <laughs> I'm in town for a couple of days um, teaching at a wrestling clinic. We'd love to meet up with you. Maybe we could have some food and just hang out and chat for a while. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, sure. I'll meet you. Um, it, well, yeah, yeah. yeah. Were, as they say, <laughs> I was the rest trying. Is I was trying to get my brothers to come with me, and they were like, "No, like, no, what? why? Why are you?" So <laughs> they were very confused, and now yeah. they love him, so it's pretty. Funny. Oh, that's awesome! That's awesome! That's a great story. Yeah, I love it. So, so Jordan, you can attest that that, that story is true from the beginning to end. Yeah, there's some finer details that I'll give you guys later. What did you say the other day? Pretty solid. Yeah. What did I leave out? That I was. Oh, I did leave something out. I thought he was like six feet tall because when you're in the stands, you like look down. (laughs) I was like, he's like really long. So I thought he was tall. So when I met him in person, I was like, oh, (laughs) (laughs) you're like level. Like we're, we're. He's like a half an inch taller than me, which I actually love now. But at the time I was just like wrestlers. Like I'm not sure my brother, I just wasn't, I wasn't really prepared. She wasn't impressed. First thing, she wasn't impressed. I was impressed with everything other than the height. But like, he can take uh, anybody that's in front of him. So you don't well, have to worry about that. We are the same height down. now. So it worked out. Sure, Ryan I love it. So that's so cool. So the two of you, as we know, you're both, you're both Christians and believers. How did the two of you come to know Christ? And maybe, you know, maybe Jordan, if you want to start and then Lauren, if you want to share your story and. Yeah. Um, You know what? It was a really interesting story for me because I had kind of dabbled in faith for a long period of time when I was a young man trying to figure it out 
establish an identity, who I was, what I believed in, where I wanted to go, who I wanted to be. I think I really started to first think a little bit more about it when I was a senior in college. So between my national titles, I had a medical redshirt where I tore my LCL, PCL, was kind of spent a lot of time away from the team. Um, there was a guy here, a chaplain for our wrestling team, named Rick Johnson. Him and I spent quite a bit of time together. But once I healed up, recovered, had success again, I was like, okay, I'm good. Thank you, God, for allowing me to get back to this prominent place. Now I'm going to take things from here. Um, so I would say my first time actually like really making an earnest pursuit of a relationship was probably after the Olympics in 2012. Um, and really because afterwards I was like, man, this is supposed to be the best time ever. And I just felt like it was empty and it was not what I expected it to be. Mm. It's like this certain level of disappointment that I had with where my life was, although I had more than I ever desired even having it all came so quickly. There was no perspective, no appreciation. And mm. so I went to an FCA wrestling camp, uh, maybe about two months after the Olympic games. And I just remember teaching some technique and then the leaders of the camp invited me to a worship service that they were going to have immediately after the wrestling event. And so I went, I stayed just watching the worship leader, seeing as he played the guitar and all the high school kids in the room with their hands up in worship, just kind of like struck me. And it was a really profound event for me because I'm like, man, when I was 16, I was so impressionable and so nervous around my peers. Like I would have never sung loudly mm. in front of other 16 year olds mm. in front of my teammates. I would have never raised my arms in worship. I would have never gone out on the limb and potentially embarrassed myself. And so I was like, whatever they are feeling, I want that. Mm. Um, and so that was a really special moment for me. And it kind of combined with me now being the face of USA wrestling, me meeting Lauren, like all of these things, I, mm. I wanted to really be the person that, people like regarded highly like i'm like who i am and what i represent is nowhere near where my heart is mm. i am not this person that people think i am i'm not a hero and so i really wanted to make a transformation in my life and it was kind of all of these things coincided at the same time from a faith perspective from meeting uh, an awesome woman to you know just feeling emptiness of after achieving my ultimate goal it was there were just so many things happening at the same point it was just kind of like divine timing for me and that's that's not his story isn't unlike a lot of olympic gold medalists who like experience this high that only really lasts yeah it's like the olympic hangover they call it yeah right? like, mm. yeah because with the olympics you, it's not like winning a Super Bowl where like you win a Super Bowl and then after the Super Bowl, everybody wants sponsor deals. Cause like really you're going for a Super Bowl the next year, but like with Olympians and Olympic gold medals specifically, the Olympics are over and they don't really care about you. Like you win a gold medal and it really does more for you, um, in the next cycle, if you continue on, than it does right then and there. Mm. Um, so that, and, and then that, that leads to oftentimes like a lot of emotional, yeah, just an emotional yeah, roller coaster. You have to deal with that. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. 
Oh, that's, yeah, that's, that's really interesting. So what about you, Lauren? Could you tell us a little bit about your faith background and how you came to know Christ? Yeah. Yeah. So my, my story isn't quite as, I mean, it's exciting to me, but it's not as exciting to tell. Uh, I was working at Thurman Thomas sports, which was my uncles, two of my uncles got together with another guy, which you guys might know who Damaris Johnson is. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. He's a, a leader in the community there. Um, and they started a training facility or like a performance athletic performance training facility in Salem sports park. And at the time I was in between college and grad school and I worked there in the summer and I worked alongside Damaris and he's just an awesome person. He's an awesome guy, but I spent the summer just, you know, every other day, just being around him and how he operates and what he was talking about and his faith relationship and his relationship with God. And, and just to be around someone like that, who was talking about things that like, to me, faith was just something you did on Sunday at church at a Catholic church. Um, I had no relationship and in turn that affected my relationships with other people because I just wasn't holding myself to the standard that, you know, that God created me to be and that, that our savior intended for our life. So, excuse me. Um, so being around him and the way he talked and the way he spoke to people and you know, how much he was in the word and how it was reflected in his life was just huge for me and what I needed at that point. And I started, he was having Sunday service at his house in West Seneca. And I would just go there and people would be worshiping. I remember like I would pull up and the windows would be open and it'd just be like worship music overflowing into the street in his neighborhood. And it was, it was just so new and different to me. And I, I just knew like I wanted my life to be a reflection of that. Mm. I love that. I think it's such a great testimony that someone's life, you know, even if you're not specifically saying and preaching God's word, if you're showing God's love through your actions, that can be enough to, like you said, to spark that interest and to start asking questions of what's, what's different. And you can tell, like, you can just tell people have an aura about them that at least like the, the Christians that I've met that are that impact and kind of like suck in the people around them. They just have this persona and this, I don't know, aura is the way, which is funny. It's our daughter's name. Unshakable joy. Right. Right. They're just like very content with everything that's transpiring because, you know, a test and an obstacle is a moment in which they can grow. Mm. And, you know, everything else is like, this is just awesome. This is cool. This is fun. This is great. Yeah. This is happening. And so I just feel like a certain level of just unquestionable joy. And it's, uh, it's cool to see. It's cool. Yeah. When you experience that from someone else, yeah, like, and you can tell, cool. right. And you can, you can just tell the way people are, you know, like people, when people walk in a room, are you being, and this was one of the things Damaris used to say all the time, like, are you celebrated or are you just tolerated? And I feel like That's the people good. who were like game changers in my in my faith walk, at, you know, up until now, were people who walk in a room and they were like celebrated. Like people were so excited that they were there. Like, man, you're I want to be around those people. They just have like this 
you know, God-like um, joy, I guess. Mm. Wow. That's so good. That's, that's, that's just a great question just to ha- ask in general, especially just between the two, are you celebrated or tolerated? That's, that's a great question that I'll probably just continue to ask myself mm-hmm. and as well as others. So Jordan, um, I want to ask just a few questions to you as well about even just your wrestling career. Uh, you've been wrestling since you were a kid. And so when was the moment that you knew that you're not just good, but special and that you were capable of going to the Olympics? this topic yeah you know what it took me a long time to establish a strong identity in wrestling and be confident in my ability to compete at the highest level because i was never the best i would subscribe to the win magazine a usa wrestling magazine as a kid and i would always look at the names all around the country of guys that were repeatedly ASICs All-Americans and Tulsa National Champions and Tournament of Champions champ and all these nationally ranked events where I could never see myself as these guys. Right before Twitter and Flow Wrestling and YouTube, you subscribe to a magazine and you saw the list of the guys at your weight class and in your age group and you hope that you could be like them but you knew that if you ran into them they'd probably kick your butt Uh, so it took me a long time uh i never really dreamed of being an olympian growing up it was never my my goal or aspiration because there was no one in my area that had gone on to win olympic gold medals it was something that was relatively new to me when i got to college and my head coach mark manning was pumping encouragement into me like hey these guys champions of the past melvin douglas kenny monday nate carr all these African-American champions before you, they've laid the foundation and you have the same skill set, mindset, and you're cut from their same cloth. I think you can be a champion too. Uh, And I didn't believe him because I'm like, bro, I came from a freaking middle-class home and a very non-traditional household where my parents didn't even play organized sports, went to a a public high school with no tradition, no lineage. Like, it's just... I don't think I can do this, but I'm willing to work and see if it can happen. I don't know. Let's see. Let's see what I got. Let's see what I can do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just really, honestly, for a long time, I didn't believe and my results probably reflected that. But when I started to just buy into what the leadership around me told me I was capable of, and I allowed myself to be coachable um, and believe in their and their foundation and their plan that they laid out for me. That's when I really started to see success. That's awesome. That's so cool. And and so Lauren, kind of on the flip side, from your perspective, what's it like, you know, what was it like dating and now being married to someone that has had as much success as Jordan has? And what toll does that maybe take on you? And what has been some of the tough things that you've gone through with that? Or some of the good things is too. (laughs) I'm always really bad at pointing out the negative things about it because I just like, like when people ask, like, is, is marriage hard? Is parenting hard? I'm like, well, yeah, it's hard, but it's beautiful. And Jordan's always like, you need to be honest with people. Like it is hard. (laughs) I mean, hard, but manageable. Yeah. Like I, I just always try to keep perspective of like how, what a beautiful thing it is being, you know, there's so much obligation, but it like, it's like, what, what else would I rather have? You know, it's, it's such a, it's such an amazing thing to wake up with someone every day who is like, so inspiring, who is so inspiring. I'm trying to get, (laughs) (laughs) but he is, he's, he's 
a incredibly hard worker an incredibly hard worker and he's just like always looking for the best version of himself mm-hmm. and I, I think that's very admirable admirable do you, do you see that some of you know obviously jordan is a very dedicated very disciplined athlete and has been for many many years do you see some of that translate into his role as a father and as a husband Oh, for sure. For sure. I'm trying to think of like, I was glad that was the answer. I was going to be afraid <laughs> if you were to say no. <laughs> like, no, actually he's awful. <laughs> no, I was thinking you could go a different direction. <laughs> I was thinking ahead, like how many, you know, how I could give an example of it, but I think just taking out the trash last night. Yeah. Yes. He like, I think just the things that we preach to our kids, having the both of us live them out daily mm-hmm. is, is the only way you can really get your kids to trust you and to, to, you know, trusting the words that you say and the teachings that you yeah. give them is when you're doing them yourself. He, and we both try to teach the kids those things, you know, and, and because of our backgrounds, like we're, we both love sports. We both grew up in households that were a borderline obsessive with athletics. So a lot of the sports that or a lot of the lessons that our kids learn just because of who we are and our legacy as parents is taught to them through sports. Mm. I was thinking about this this morning because I was looking at my daughter's artwork on the table and I thought to myself, man, maybe I should like really encourage that in her and really like push her to improve, you know, that aspect of her talents. Like, you know, let's, let's work on improving this. And I, I thought to myself, you know what, I'm, I'm doing, we're doing that in athletics more so focused because that's what we know. You know, I can't really show her how to be a great artist because that's just not something that I'm great at mm. but, and I always encourage her to do other things. But I think our legacy and our family's legacy has always been to teach through sports, to teach about life and about faith, even through athletics and sports. So that's, that's just naturally what we do. Yeah. That's so good. And I know you guys talked about this earlier of just post-life gold medal. Jordan, for you, you, you won gold in, in 2012 in, in Rio, correct? Or, no, that was London. Um, and you talked about why that was a little, it was just not fulfilling for you. I'd love to, for you to dive deeper into that as well as what is that post four years after winning a gold medal for you? What was that like? And then in 2016, you were the heavy favorite and you didn't win it. And what was life after that? Like Lord, you were part of that process. I'd love to hear a little of that between the two of you. It's a completely different experience on both sides. In 2012, you know, you believe because there's a certain amount of like naivety to the way that you're living. You're just oblivious to perspective and you're just like, well, shoot, why can't I win? I'm good. I work hard. I can do it. Uh, and so when I won the first time, I remember when I had the medal placed around my neck, that was the first gold medal, Olympic gold medal I had ever seen was the one that was placed upon my neck wow. and hopping off the podium. I was just like, man, like life has changed. Like, as I know it, like my life will never be the same again. Um, 
so unique, mm. unique position. But I remember getting off of the podium, going through this whirlwind media tour, then hopping on a flight straight from London to LAX to be on the Jay Leno show to you know mm. tell the world about my gold medal and have this experience. When we landed in LAX, there were reporters and cameras and everyone surrounding us with welcome signs mm-hmm. and balloons. And it was a pretty special moment. I was throwing out first pitches at, at you know MLB games. I had a parade in my hometown where I was, oh, man. you know, the master ceremonies at numerous events and shaking hands and kissing babies. Kissing babies. <laughs> call you the Pope. I was the end of the hour, seriously. And then fast forward four years later to Rio where I was, no one wanted to see me. I no wanted one. to see you. Besides my family. <laughs> people it wanted was, to see him, but there was no fanfare. But there was, people wanted to see me to offer condolences yeah yeah because you know they just were expressing their regret for what i was feeling and it's a sporting event and i think about this all the time like the worst thing the absolute worst thing that ever happened to me was losing in the olympics i got a pretty darn good life right but don't and don't and i don't underplay yeah the value of what it is that i was trying to accomplish because failure is failure if you Mm -hmm. set out to do something you don't do it it's considered a failure the more you sacrifice, the harder it is to surrender. Wow. And so the difficulty of that moment was because I had put so much into trying to be my best for that day. Mm. And <clears throat> it escaped me. And you only have one opportunity <clears throat> every four years. So, you know, this is, this is a, almost a nine-year process. Mm. From the time I hopped off of the podium in 2012 to pursue an Olympic gold in 2016 and miss out on it, now with the pandemic and quarantine and the Olympics being postponed a year, another five-year wait from that 2016 yeah. moment. This is ultimately like nine years I've been waiting to try to be an Olympic gold medalist again. Like it's a, it's, it's a lifetime yeah. of commitment to doing. It's a third of my life. I'm 32. It's nine years I've been trying to do this again. Yeah. Um, so you know, it's, it's not easy. Uh, but it also is one of those things where, you know, the, the way I felt in 2012 was awesome, but there was also at afterwards where it's like, man, this doesn't complete me. This doesn't, you know, offer me a sustainable level of joy and excitement. So going into 2016, I think that I thought about it from a different perspective, but I also allowed all of the outside noise to start clouding my judgment and my ability to stay focused on what the task at hand was. I think that I'm really finally getting back to a point where I just like wrestling. Like mm-hmm. I like, I love to wrestle. Mm-hmm. It's just what I do. Like I'm a competitor. Um, and so outside of how people regard me, if I win, how much money I stand to win, uh, you know, what sponsorships I can have afterwards and what shows that I can go on to. I like to compete. When this guy puts his phone on the line, can I use my willpower, my skill level, my technical prowess, and my conditioning and grit to outsmart this guy and get my hair raised? Wow. That's, I mean, that's basically what it comes down to every single time I step on the mat. So getting to the, the essential element of what makes me a great wrestler is I wrestled for free for 20 years you know, just after college that I ever start getting paid for it. And, you know, getting back to why I love the sport and it's because I love the battle. I love 
the competition. And yeah, so, the price tag. Yeah, 2012, awesome. 2016, terrible. 2021 is just an opportunity for me to just wrestle with freedom mm-hmm. and to just be excited about the moment and the opportunity, knowing mm-hmm. that I've experienced both. I've won, I've lost, neither define me, neither can crush me. I've, I've survived both. And, you know, I have an opportunity to possibly do it again. That's so good. I love that. Yeah. That, that's such a cool story. And I, I can't, I mean, I can't think of a better, you know, sort of testimony to show your kids as they grow up of, Hey, look what your dad has done. Look what he's failed at and look what he's done to come back from that. And what, what an example for them and for so many other kids. I mean, we, you met one of our coworkers before we started this interview who looked up to you when he was in high school as a wrestler, him and his whole group. And, you know, I'm super thankful that you are, you know, who you are. And as I talk to you, you've got a good head on your shoulders and knowing that you put your, you know, your number one priority in your relation with Christ is so encouraging to me to know that, you know, our youth and the other generations coming up, like they have a role model that they can look to that isn't just in this for himself. And, you know, there are athletes that are like that and that will always be the case in sports is, you know, and and I think especially in wrestling, that can be a very individualistic sport as some others are as well, where it's, it's all about me and what can I do? But hearing you and hearing this is, no, it's not about winning. It's not about, yes, that's the goal. And yes, I want to win. I'm going to try my best to win, but there's more to it than that. And, and I love that. I think that's such a great posture and attitude to have. And man, that's something I wish I had learned a whole lot, lot longer ago when I was competing. You go through the fire to learn it. Yeah, yeah. sure. sure. It's just, you know, what's funny is, uh, uncle Thurm, Thurman Thomas, he texts me literally the next day after the Olympics and he was like, bro, I lost four Super Bowls in a row. <laughs> you, you think you're feeling pain right now? <laughs> that is so great. They, they can relate. And that's, you know, that's been, uh, that was one of the the positive sides of Rio. You know, there in the in the moment, it's hard to kind of identify, well, what's what good is going to come from this? But Jordan wasn't very relatable. <laughs> you know, he won, the only matches he had lost going into Rio were one you were hurt yeah the other one was and the other one was a criteria loss that he didn't even know he was losing wow so to go into the olympics the the biggest stage in sports and for that to happen and for wrestling fans to see it and to realize like you know this can happen to anyone and I still would have rather won. I take my chances. Hey, I'm looking forward to it next year, Jordan. On a win. Anyway, it brought him down to earth with the rest of us. And I, it, I think it made him much more approachable and much more relatable. And he's got a cooler story to tell people now. That's very cool. Sure, sure. So, uh, Jordan... Um, as we were doing a little research, we know that, and we found that your Instagram name is all I see is gold. Could you tell us a little bit about what the acronym gold means to you and what that represents? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So basically when I was creating my social media handles, I'm like, man, how can I make something that like is resounding? Like that people will, that's not just Jordan at Jordan Burroughs. (laughs) what, What do I represent? What do I live by? What's my motto, what's my mindset, my lifestyle. And I'm like, man, why I always want to win. I don't want to like 
Oh, yeah, I'm on top of the podium. Like, what, what's that look like? And so I finally settled on all I see is gold. And, you know, it's funny because at first I thought it was kind of cheesy. And I thought that people were like, all I see is gold. Like, what does that even mean? Seems like and, Lauren may have thought it was cheesy at first, too. <laughs> for sure. I bet a lot of people did until I started to win consistently. Well, that's the crazy part, that he created this name. And you were you had won nationals once at that point? Yeah, I was only one time. He had won once. Still, and even in, in college, you don't get, it's not like gold medals. No, you just, so that's <laughs> the completely wild thing, was that he made this mantra and this name and then he started winning gold medals and you, you won so many that it was like, yeah, this is insane. It was like, <laughs> it was like prophetic. You know what? <laughs> you're, you're a prophet. I think, um, it's a mindset thing. I was just, uh, it really was bro. It really was. And it is like yeah. the people that are, that I admire most are the ones that can continue to go from, success to failure to success without losing their spirit for whatever it is that they're doing. Mm. Like those are the people that are admirable to me. Cause I'm like, man, this is really cool to see that this guy enjoys what he does. He loves it. It's not about the winning or the losing. It's just about playing the game. Mm. And that's been inspiring for me. So at that point in time, it was, it might have been a little brash, maybe a little bit arrogant, but I think that, it kind of elevated me to this place where I knew that in order to continue to see gold, I was going to have to be consistent. I was going to have to live and maintain a certain level of excellence in my training and my lifestyle and my eating habits, my nutrition, all of these things were going to be necessary for me to be at my best. And, um, you know, it started to catch on like socially, but, for me, it was kind of always the thought process is like, when I go to every single tournament, whenever I compete and everything that I do, I want to be the absolute best. And the guy that's the best is usually the guy at the end of the day that's leaving with the gold medal. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it can, it started as a gold medal, but now it's kind of translated into to gold can just mean the best of whatever it is that you're pursuing. Yeah. yeah, it's just mm. excellence. Gold just, is, yeah. is just a synonym for excellence for me. Just holding yourself to a certain standard, I think, to to a gold standard, yeah. to always, always requiring the most out of yourself. Yeah, yeah I think that's so good, and I think I, I love that what you said there, Lauren. Is you know the the most out of yourself, and I I think that's something that we teach our athletes here at the church as we work in sports ministry. Is you know we, we talk to them about competitive greatness, and it's not always about being better than the guy next to you. It's about being the best that you can be. Because if I'm the best that I can be, then everything else will play itself out. And I'm not trying to be better than Noah. I'm trying to be better than I can be myself. And if you can push yourself, then you will end up being better than a whole lot of people around you. But it's about pushing yourself and having that mindset. You'll be happy. Like that's like the ultimate goal is that you'll be content knowing that you did your best. Like you maximize your potential. It's everyone can't win. Everyone can't win. That's just the, that's life. Everyone can't win. But what you can do is you can have fun. You can become a better athlete and you can exceed whatever expectations for yourself that you may have had. Like, realistically maximized potential is all that we're capable of. So for maximized potential for me might be an Olympic gold medal, but for someone else, it might be just making it into the varsity lineup and having a 500 record. But 
but it's even it's, it's your perspective on what it is that you accomplish if you're looking at me it was like well man jb won gold i wish i could be the best in the world but if you're content like man i broke a lot of barriers i overcame my fears mm-hmm. you know i was the first person in my family to wrestle you know i went out there and beat a guy that i had beaten me five times and pinned me the last mm-hmm. time that we competed you know i lost 20 pounds and made a weight that i never thought i'd be able to make i'm fit i'm strong i'm confident you know like there's just so many things that happen in the process of trying to be your best that winning is this the smallest of those things mm-hmm. right they ref raises your hand you walk off you get a medal they put it on your neck the national anthem plays and then you get off and then the next weight class comes up mm-hmm. and like that's it so there's so much of who you become in the process. It's so much more worthwhile of a pursuit than just the actual victory itself. I mean, victory makes you feel good, but the only difference between the person on top of the podium and the person that didn't medal is the way that people regard you when you leave the arena. That's it. That's it. And there's little victories. Like you're not just attempting to win gold medals. Like there's yeah. matches where he's just like, I, I'm going to give my best this match and I'm going to score as many takedowns as I can. And hopefully at the end of that match, I'm winning because of it, yeah, but it's yeah. not like every goal. You don't get to this certain level where you're just like, like well, that's my victory. I need a gold medal to yeah, yeah. feel complete, to feel like I had success on this day. It's like, no, there's, there's baby victories on the way to that. Yeah. I, that man, that's, that's so good. That's such wise advice. And, and I'm sure, you know, for you, Jordan, that that's not something that you knew when you were, you know, 20 years old and in college and competing. Like that's something that for our listeners that, you know, it's, it's something that he has learned over time. And so that's what we hope is that our listeners, um, you know, if you're in a position where you're still, you know, competing or doing these things in whatever aspect of life that you can take, um, some of this wisdom and start to apply that and be the greatest version of yourself and compete against, you know, your standards each and every day. I think that's, yeah. that, that's so good. Um, so I, I have a question for you guys and I recently got engaged yeah, about yes. a month ago. You are getting married. <laughs> getting married. Um, I wanted to ask you guys is, is there a piece of marriage advice that each of you would have for me? Something that maybe you wish somebody had told you or a piece of advice that you were given. What should I know about marriage? <laughs> and I'm sure my fiance will listen to this, so you can give advice to her too. <laughs> I'm going to give some thoughtful one and you're going to say something oh, funny. <laughs> um, let's see. There's so much. Wow. I think just, communication is just so important and I don't even mean like just oh just when you're upset make sure you tell me I just mean just like talking like we talk all the time I feel like we talk more than I don't know more than most people we know (laughs) uh we just talk about everything we bounce ideas off each other we talk about business we talk about kids parenting friendships um just life everything we talk constantly and I think because of that we know we're on the same page most of the time and when we're not it's usually like well you know a lack of communications but communication but we don't really we don't really have that too often because we're just constantly communicating we're really good friends we're best friends we um we just have fun with each other even when we're on each other's nerves and I think that's really important we laugh a lot 
usually I laugh at him, but, (laughs) (laughs) but we have a lot of fun and we've, we've been having a lot of fun since we met each other. Like taking the trash out when it's really cold. Yeah. 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 He pretends he doesn't. (laughs) We've been at this at this house for six, almost seven years, and he pretends he does not know what day is the trash got. It never changes. <laughs> so we just, yeah, I would just say like, just be each other's best friend, be each other's biggest cheerleader, and you know, I obviously can literally be a cheerleader because I'm cheering for him when he's wrestling. But you, just, you get the pom poms too. No, my daughter's taking on that role. (laughs) She actually wants to be a cheerleader. Um, But yeah, I just, I'm like, I, I joke, we joke that I'm like the hype wife. I just, I'm like his, his hype person. I'm his hype person. (laughs) That's my advice. Yeah, I would say, I'd say two things. One is don't waste time being mad at each other. Mm. I think that's one thing that I've really noticed is like, it's easy to like get cold to an individual for whatever the situation was. You didn't like the way someone addressed you or, you know, they didn't do something that you expected them to do, whatever the case may have been. But, you know, her and I, we, we love spending time with each other. We love the kind of the loving fostering environment that we built in our home. So when we're mad at each other, It's like home's just not the same. It's like both people are like posturing. It's like I'm not apologizing. I'm not apologizing. Well, I don't even know why you're mad. And so I think that within those situations, just like nipping in the bud, like, hey, can we talk? Like, let's chat. Let's correct it. Like, let's fix this thing now because I love you too much to waste time being upset with you. Mm. I just be back to be to loving you. Um, and so I think that really just kind of stepping out of your comfort zone and having the uncomfortable conversations and saying, I'm sorry. Um, I was wrong. I didn't mean to make you feel that way. Mm. Uh, I think that's necessary. And then number two, I'd say is to manage your expectations. Like no one can make you happy. No, like no one can truly make you happy. Like motivation and, and love has to come from Christ and it has to come intrinsic within like, so I think that one of the things that I've noticed is that I've tried to manage my expectations, knowing that I have to sometimes sell out for our relationship for the good of the relationship Mm. is it's what God has called me to do. I chose to court Lauren. I chose to propose. I chose to marry her. And now this is a burden that sometimes I have to carry that I didn't expect it to be this difficult. Mm. I also know that if I'm willing to put the work in, like tough times don't last, right? This is a difficult season and it will get better if I continue to stay dedicated and committed and disciplined for the good of our marriage. And so there are certain days where, you know, I have expectations, whether it's to have a meal prepared or to, you know, go on to visit my parents for a holiday instead of hers or, you know, to have sex daily, you know, just like even little things like that. But you're like, seriously, like, as you get within it, you're like, well, man, like we've got a whole bunch of things going on. And, you know, I wanted to go to practice, but now I got to take the kids to school. You know, I needed to go get a haircut, but instead I've got, you know, to make sure that I'm at the house because a washing machine is getting delivered. Just like little things like that, that may seem trivial now, but in, as you progress and you spend a lot of time with someone, those can be triggering moments mm. where like resentment is built. 
built. So I think that for me, it's been catering my expectations, making sure that I'm like, listen, everything that I do, this is not for me. This is for my wife. This is for my family. This is for everyone who views our marriage and going to be inspired by it. And so just trying to stay focused on those things, like not staying mad at each other and then always being willing to put the extra in, even if I feel like it's not being reciprocated at the moment. And I think there's one more really important one that I think, especially for young believers is to, or, you know, whether or not you're, you're married, but to have godly counsel, to have friendships and community with people who are pouring into you and not sucking out of you. Or just I, giving you <laughs> biblical giving you advice. Be- like yes. Not just giving Give- you advice that they know. Yes. Just like real legitimate. Because doctrine. we both had people, <laughs> even b- like before we got married, now people know better. They know you don't mess with our house. But we had people before we were married, like or in our engagement period, like, are you, are you sure you're ready to be married? Are you sure? Like, I don't, I wouldn't get married if I were you. Like you're too young. Wow. Or, or, well, he did this to you. Well, don't talk to him for two weeks. Like stuff like that, that yeah. is not life, life giving and it's not fruitful. And it was That's always good. coming from people who did not either did not know the Lord were at a certain point in their walk where they shouldn't be giving other people advice. It, it doesn't matter, but to have a friendship circle and have a community and yeah. people around you who are just like, like I said earlier, who people, people who are celebrated for those reasons and people who can pour into you and give you just wise counsel. And you want to be good at anything. You got to surround yourself with people who are good at what you're trying to be good at. And people who want you and desire big things for you. People who have your best in mind and people who know your potential and want you to get there. I think that's for, for people in, specifically, you know, romantic relationships and relationships before marriage and engagement periods. That's so crucial. And it could, it could change the trajectory of your life. Yeah. That'll be 500 bucks. (laughs) (laughs) That's so good. It's it's just a reminder, like having the right people in your life. I think so many people are just so honest with the wrong people. And I I know all of us, all four of us can say, yeah, we've told the person the wrong thing before, you know, can't trust them. So that's, that's some great advice. So as we're finishing up, Jordan, I'd love to know what are, what are, uh, what's your training regimen looking like leading up to Tokyo 2021 and what are maybe some misconceptions of being a wrestler as well? Mm. Training's going well. We are, you know, training's been disrupted quite a bit with COVID. Uh, it's we're trying to find like this balance between um, making sure that we have a limited amount of people in the room at a time to wearing yeah. masks while we're lifting to mm. giving, getting a COVID test it's anytime crazy. you go to like crazy. a public setting. Like, so we're like almost getting tested weekly and it's, it, there's just a lot of stuff going on, but I think the training's been good. Uh, I'm focused. I think honestly, this extra year helped me, um, oddly enough, because it gave me more time to really be dialed in on what I needed and what I wanted going into this year. Last year was such a blur. It was coming so quickly. And, you know, I think that with the arrival of our little one, 
who was born in January, we were in the thick of a lot of things mm-hmm. like fulfilling sponsorship obligations and having a brand new baby, Lauren going through recovery and me, you know, trying to make the Olympic team and that process. I think that we are a lot more structured in our schedule now. The kids are both in school, the baby's at home, she's almost a year. We've got really good grip on what we need from her. Lauren's healthy. Um, and it just gives me additional time to like get better as a wrestler. I think so. It's going to be a great year for me heading into Tokyo. We, we have our Olympic trials in April and they are in Pennsylvania. And so that's still the qualification process. I've got to make the team. So, um, I'd say a mis- common misconception of wrestlers. Hmm. What would you say? Well, hey, what's a common misconception? That they're taller. Actually, <laughs> no. I should have known because the, the the ideas that are usually were pretty right on with being pretty short. Yeah. I think um, just that they're like these meatheads. Not meatheads, but just like rough and tough and just kind of like I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dirty, grungy. Like, not very stylish. You just get, like, this weird, I don't know. Wrestlers are kind of like the kids in school who don't talk to anyone else. They're, or at least when I was, you know, before my brothers came around, I yeah. think it was a little bit different. But they were kind of just, like, did their own thing. And, you know, the football players got all the attention. The basketball players and the wrestlers were just kind of, like, misfits. 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 That's the word I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. And I think most of the wrestlers we know, at least, you know, it's different because we're at the highest level now. And most of the wrestlers we're, we're friends with are very successful and very yeah, outspoken yeah. and they've got huge social media following. So they're out there. Um, but I, I think wrestlers are some of the most interesting people. They're like boxers. Like if you interview a boxer, they have incredible stories. I feel like wrestlers are they're they just got they all i mean a lot of the ones that we know they're just they've just got really cool stories they're inspiring people they're hard workers yeah kind of like blue collar tough 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 for sure but i don't know (laughs) i think yeah I, i think you you have to be in in the sport to be successful you got to be tough like wrestling yeah. is a very middle class sport like if you look at a lot of the most successful wrestlers come from working class backgrounds this is kind of common but yeah <clears throat> i think one of the yeah, common misconceptions Jordan, i have i have another question too this is totally off script and if you want me to edit it out i can but i remember right. seeing a video two years ago and it was khabib was calling you out what would this this is a hypothetical if he ever asked you to wrestle would you wrestle him and what was what was even that period of him calling you out what was your thought process of that um basically he's russian he's got a lot of respect he does he does he actually sent me a video um he (laughs) donated so lauren and i have a foundation that we created called the all we see is gold foundation Mm. and he donated a pair of his autographed gloves for uh, an auction for an auction for an online silent auction. And it's funny. He sent us a video. I'm, I'm friends with Daniel Cormier. So he sent us a video and in the video. He's like, Jordan, you think I don't like you? If I would like you, I would not have sent you these gloves. And so he, <laughs> That's cool. And like sends them over. And, uh, you know, you know, Russia is my biggest competitor worldwide. Um, and so those are the guys that, 
I typically have to beat to be an Olympic champion or world champion. Um, so, you know, I've always gone back and forth with those guys. So I have a kind of like a love hate relationship with Russia. Um, and he supports his guys, uh, because naturally that's where he's from. And so, you know, he's, has pride in his country's wrestling. I have pride in our country's wrestling. Just a misunderstanding. I'm sure if him and I actually met, it would be a great conversation and we would have it because there's a, a mutual respect between the yeah. both of us. It's like it's great great fighters. Yeah. And, uh, and so there's there's definitely respect there. But, yeah. you know, when it comes time to wrestle, like I want to beat Russia more than <laughs> wrestlers talk a lot like they'll talk a big game but they're all you guys all love each other for the most part when it's not about competition when our our careers are over we'll all slap and and, throw uh, each other around and and have have a a bunch of food together (laughs) (laughs) but yeah it's it's good oh i love it that's so cool so as we close up here where can people find you your websites and um, this foundation that you mentioned yeah for sure so i'm pretty easy to find i'm just uh, jordanbros.com is my website and then Instagram. and our foundation is linked on jordan's website, yeah, website. Okay, cool. all we see is gold foundation and, um yeah we we have a, an event every year which has been kind of tricky with covid because last year was canceled but um in in it's usually on the well it is it's the weekend of the ncaa tournament where we raise money for local usually a local youth club youth wrestling yeah. though um, but yeah, you can find that on Jordan's website and his, his yeah, social so. media, media handles are all I see is gold and mine is Lolo Burrows. Yeah. So we're pretty Lolo easy to find. Lolo no, I changed oh, it. Change I'm just Lolo Burrows. So yeah, that's where we're at. And Beacon, Beacon, Aura, <laughs> and Rise. Our, all three of our kids have. Don't follow them because they have more followers than me now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you heard it here first. Lolo Burrows first. And then once you follow her, then you can follow the kids. <laughs> then it's Beacon Burrows, Aura Burrows, and Rise Burrows. And Rise Burrows. Yeah, they're great. very cool. I love it. That's awesome. Well, do you guys have any final remarks or words of encouragement for our listeners? No, we're just thankful for you guys doing this. Yeah. I think um, just a place for athletes to share their faith, to grow in their faith via podcast is is just really important awesome well thank you it was a it was a real pleasure getting to talk with you guys today and i'll be sure to share some of your marriage advice with my fiance and we'll 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 talk about it Awesome. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Jordan and Lauren, for joining us today. And today we have a special guest joining us today, our youth pastor from the church, Cable Carr. Cable, tell us a little about yourself. Yeah, so I'm the middle school pastor here at Watermark Wesleyan Church. I work on the same team as Bjorn and Noah. We all work kind of in our youth building together called The Hub. And my wife and I moved here in August, so we're pretty recent to the Buffalo area, but are loving the city and getting to know it. And I'm excited to do this podcast with you guys. Yeah, we're, we're so excited to have you here cable and why don't you just could you i know you have to tell everyone this when you meet them but (laughs) why is your name cable (laughs) yeah so my name is actually caleb 
but most everybody calls me Cable now because my last name is Carr. Actually, in high school, one of my teammates on my soccer team had dyslexia, and he flipped the letters of my name mm. from Caleb to Cable. And then everybody thought it was funny. It was kind of a joke <laughs> name. And then I went to college, and I was living on the same floor as two other Calebs, and one of those Calebs became my roommate for the next two years. Wow. So it was just easier to be Cable than it was to be Caleb. So that's a little bit of why I am who I am. I love it. That, that's hilarious. I love that little story. So, Cable, we know that you were a wrestler in high school, yep. and you love Jordan Burroughs. Oh, yeah, definitely. So, after listening to the interview we had with him, and I know you got to say hi before we started. Ooh, dream come true. <laughs> what were some of your reflection points, takeaways from the interview today? I think one of the biggest things I noticed, um, and it came from both uh, Lauren and Jordan, was that they both had people speak into their life mm. from outside vantage points. Mm. I mean, even when they were giving you marriage advice, yeah. they were talking about having those voice. Who do you have talking into your life? It was having the right people, right? Yeah. And they, Jordan talked about how he didn't envision himself as that Olympic athlete till he got to got to Nebraska, and his coach started saying, "Look what you could do. Mm. Look who you could be." And, and that hit me that coaches and mentors and those people who have voices in our life are so important. Whether you're in ministry like myself or you're an athlete who's competing at the high school level. I mean, in November, you guys did the uh, high school series, mm-hmm. and you had a bunch of coaches on there. And one of the things I remember listening to is that almost all the coaches said, I still talk to this athlete. This athlete, I still I still talk to them, and I was at their wedding, and I, I know their kids. And you see these coaches have lifelong relationships with those that they've coached. And it goes far beyond mm-hmm. the field. It goes far beyond the mat. It goes far beyond wherever your compete, competitive space is. Mm-hmm. Coaches have that influence on our lives. I mean, think back, both of you are athletes. I know my coaches are such a big impact in my life. I'm not the man I would be today if it were not for Coach Clem and Coach Stamens, names that nobody else knows, but were men who impacted my life sure. so much. And Jordan and Lauren both talked about that, how they had outside voices. Well, there was Jordan coming off the mat and, and Lauren's Uncle Thurm texting him and saying, it's all right that you lost, man. Like, I lost four Super Bowls. I mean, no one wants to lose, but having those voices is so big. Yeah, it, it really is. And I definitely resonate with that. And I'm just thinking now, like... You know, like I mentioned, you know, I'll be getting married in June and we're planning a wedding, inviting people. And some of those people that are on my invite list are all of my past coaches mm-hmm. from high school, from yeah. college, et cetera. Because I think back to, you know, who are the people that I'm closest with that had the biggest impact on me? And they all make that list. Yeah. And, you know, that, that advice that Jordan and Lauren gave when we we're asking for marriage advice was, was huge. They asked for, you know, they said, you need to have like godly counsel and people that can speak into your life and do that. That. And that was one of my takeaways was, mm-hmm. yeah, that's huge because for, you know, for myself and my fiance moving forward is, you know, there's a whole lot we don't know. And we would love to have people around us that can share that with us. Mm-hmm. And then the other two things that mm-hmm. I took away specifically from that sort of marriage advice piece is <laughs> that's where my ears perked up. That's part of something me. on your mind. <laughs> something on my mind. Um, but one was just communication and mm-hmm. I've seen communication make or break relationships in my life 
not just, you know, dating relationships, hmm. but relationships in general, whether it's at times with people in my family or whether it's with coworkers or whether it's with people oh, yeah. in a group in school. Cable, he's calling us out right now. I know. We're his coworkers. <laughs> on the podcast. No, I'm Fell calling out Marshall. Not here right Marshall's not here, but he's the worst. No, we love Marshall. Um, yeah, but that's just so key. And I, I you know, I've had conversations with my fiance about that. I'm just mm-hmm. like, how can we make our communication better? And mm. not that it's bad, but yeah. it's, it's got to be better. And then the third thing that I took away, they mentioned, I think this is one of the first things they mentioned was not wasting time being mad at each other. Mm. Yeah. That's and really good. I love that because there's so many times where I spend so much time being mad and I may not show it, but I know deep inside, like, oh, I'm holding that anger. And whether this is about, mm-hmm. you know, my fiance or whether it's about somebody else, mm-hmm. like, man, it's just not worth it. There's life's too short to hold grudges and be angry. Yeah, and, and, absolutely. You know, we could get into talking about forgiveness and what that is, but like, you know, that's, that's a whole nother topic of itself. I mean, <laughs> even think on, on the sports field on, on when you're playing basketball or soccer mm-hmm. and your teammates screws up do you hold that grudge against them or do you pass them the ball because you need your teammate like sure. you see teams fall apart because there's frustration on how a teammate handles the situation mm. and then that builds into marriage communication Absolutely. is that base level where yeah. why waste time being angry when we can repair the relationship and trust one another again yeah yeah i i loved hearing both of that from each of you i think number one is communication is so key whatever we do and cable even even what you do your role here as a youth pastor mm-hmm. you and marshall you guys are investing into people that you're going to have relationships with down the road. Maybe it's not every single kid, but maybe it's those leaders. Yeah, I hope so. It's those kids that maybe there's a few of them down the road. Yeah, <laughs> You know, I think those will be lasting forever. And I love that. That's uh, between coaching and being a youth pastor. You see that mm-hmm. so much. And something I really loved between Jordan and Lauren, I think there's a few, a few things. Number one was there was early on in the podcast, Lauren talked about, are you celebrated or are you tolerated? Mm-hmm. And I think that is so key. I, I think where we work, we have a healthy environment where I think that's we're celebrated instead of, hey, we just tolerate you. I think we're an environment of we are celebrated. And I will like the shout out to Watermark for that. I really do appreciate that. And just with yeah. our team, I think there's an acknowledgement there. And I, I think that's so key, especially in the sports and faith world. And another thing that Jordan said, uh, there's so many things that I took away. Um, and this is why I encourage our listeners, take some notes because both Jordan and Lauren said so much. Mm-hmm. But one that really stood out to me as well was the more you sacrifice, the harder it is to surrender. Ooh. Yeah, that that could be a whole that could be a whole sermon for you in itself, Cable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Say that one more time for us, Noah. The more you sacrifice, the harder it is to surrender. And I, to me, I, I that, yeah. there doesn't need much more explanation than that. I think there's so much that we sacrifice that we like yearn for, and it's just so hard to surrender. I mean, look at us. I, I don't know. It's just for me. Just that's just a pause or reflection for me. I don't even have like more words to say to mm-hmm. that other than just like wow, that's so <laughs> that, good. that hit me. So mm-hmm. uh, that that was the biggest one that that hit me the most. So is there anything else that stood out to you guys from today? For me, it was fun to talk to a wrestler. Mm. Like, so just at a base level, 
Like, I'm not a wrestler, and if, if you guys knew what I looked like, you'd be like, yeah, you're definitely not a wrestler. Um, <laughs> soccer but, player. Yeah, I'm a soccer player. Built, <laughs> built like a striker. Yeah, built, built for endurance, not anything else. Um, <laughs> yeah, just talking to a wrestler about, like, just mindset mm-hmm. on the mat and just this different sport. And I could resonate a little bit from the sport of tennis that I've played, and I played tennis in college, it's from that individual side where yeah. it's, it's you and only you. If you do well, you do well. If you suck, you suck. And it's sort of like it's on your shoulders. So I resonate a little bit there. But just like, I don't know, the, the physical aspect of wrestling and cable, I'm sure you could you know, speak to this a little bit more. But it's just, it is at a base level of one person versus another person. And yeah, it's just I don't know. It's just like the core of sport. Of well, just like sports, fight it's, it out. Yeah, <laughs> sports themselves are, in a way, ritualistic combat. Right? It's, it's how we simulate combat between cities and neighborhoods and communities and schools. Right? We are the, you know, think of different names. You know, we're the Raiders, or you know, we're the. Ew. Yeah, I know. I'm just thinking of different <laughs> terrible examples. Ter- Vikings. These names that <laughs> these names that represent that power, that anger, yeah. and you you're playing at combat by sending your teams and your heroes essentially go fight another group to go compete against them and wrestling is one of the only sports that's it's actually a fight like it's not just i mean football you could say that ufc some other stuff but wrestling is tennis yeah (laughs) i don't know and you have like that 25 feet between you guys look there's yeah there's nothing quite like um walking out on the mat Mm. and first of all you feel exposed you feel exposed wearing the singlet and knowing that there is all eyes on the gym on you there's not other matches going on especially when you get up into finals matches which were super fun um when you get up into those upper echelon matches and you look across the mat at the person you're going to wrestle and realize that you're about to go to war against a stranger and (laughs) man i have some memories of injuries and other things that i i hurt people and they hurt me and my passport i have a black eye in the picture still because i got it in high school (laughs) and my eye was swollen shut the week before and um it was just colorful all around the eye still but you should have seen the other guy (laughs) right (laughs) he's actually a kid in our practice who headbutted me when he got mad at me so um but yeah we had it's a different sport and hearing jb talk about it just the the endurance and i don't know if you heard um but when he went to the olympics and and started in in rio and and lost out it was crazy because he'd only lost two matches beforehand it's wild and one of them was because he was injured like we're talking about the pinnacle of this sport and to be that good means that he has faced individual after individual and come out as triumphant over them and like you said he's the same individuals multiple times yeah he's faced some guys over and over and become and been victorious still which is it's super hard to do i mean one of my greatest rivals in high school he beat me earlier in the year and i beat him later in the year and we just went back and forth because it was a we were similar in school it's hard to stay on top of somebody when they learn your style and they learn your technique we talked about the philadelphia union in the playoffs this year oh gosh soccer soccer (laughs) oh we jumped to soccer (laughs) oh man that was rough that was rough different story story. thanks for joining us today cable and thank you jordan and lauren for joining us for an amazing podcast it's one that we will never forget and we hope that you as the listener really enjoyed today and next week everybody we have darren gray darren works with all pro dad he does a lot of things with the super bowl breakfast that goes on every year and he's good friends with tony dungy an incredible conversation a leader this is a podcast you do not want to miss here's an excerpt you know what if leading 
right is beyond right it's if it's beneath you if you're not willing to to lean down and and lean into someone then really should you be a leader at all and so I just find ways to uh, think about the phrase serving leader. Thanks for listening to the Sweat Room Sports and Faith Podcast. We hope you enjoyed. If you'd like to stay connected with us, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Watermark Sports, on Twitter at Sweat Room Pod, and our new blog at watermarkwesleyan.com slash blog. Until next time, get it, got it, and give it. Thanks for listening to The Sweat Room, a podcast of Watermark Wesleyan Church. 